heart, humor, and a little sarcasm. Today I have my co-host with me, Babe, but you probably wouldn't call him that. That'd be weird. I certainly wouldn't call myself that. <laughs> Walking around, hey, Babe. Hey, Babe. No. That might be a problem. That uh, might be a big problem. Okay, so Brian, that's probably what you'd call him. Some of you call him Pastor Brian. I'm sure some of you call him other names, but we're not going to talk about those right now. <laughs> You're going to start off by hurting my feelings. I thought this was a podcast about encouragement. It is I about encouragement. Okay. No, it's encouragement. Okay, so this is actually the second half to Unlikely Hero. It is the podcast that I ended last week talking about uh, Gideon. And he's out of the book of Judges. Chapter 6 is kind of where we begin finding him and his story and it's where it starts and I just want to do a super quick recap on that but before I jump into that who is your favorite superhero um wow okay uh that's come on what was the first one that popped in your head Iron Man really yeah just because yeah I like the gadgets you know I like Jarvis and it's certainly not the sarcasm Mm, I had to get enough of that from you (laughs) I think you should True. rename the podcast. A lot of sarcasm, not a and little, a little bit. bit of heart. I <laughs> <laughs> okay. So your favorite is Iron Man because you like all the gadgets and all the nerdy stuff, of course. Um, I gotta say, I am a huge fan of um, Captain America, but also Wonder Woman. And this is not like. Yay, women. It's because, honestly, I think she's super cool, and she looks really great. Yes, so she looks really great. I'm going to say that I think that Wonder Woman is probably one of my most favorites, because she just kind of whips everybody into shape, and I like that. Okay, so jumping into Gideon and what goes on in his life. So Gideon is called by the Lord to basically do a task that he is like... Yeah, no, not me. You've got to have the wrong guy. He was found um, working and the angel of the Lord came to him and said, you know, don't be scared. I've got a job for you. I want you to help to liberate the Israelites from the surrounding enemies. We're going to get some territory here. And Gideon was like, I'm the smallest, the least in my clan. There's no way. Which is, by the way. All our excuses every time God calls us to do something. Right. Oh, we're not qualified. Oh, we're not this. Oh, we're not that. Or I'm not as good person. as so-and-so. Yeah. We always have to, like, we feel like we measure up somehow or we we fail to measure up, I guess, is the right way to say that. So this is Gideon, like, to a T. He is like, I can't do this. I'm scared. <laughs> Has God ever called you to do something that was really scary? And you were like, uh. I don't think I can do that. Well, pastoring is very scary. True. True. Because of the responsibility that comes with that, it's crazy. It is. And you're dealing with people's lives and some sometimes in the most critical stages of their life. And you really don't want to mess that up. So <laughs> Yeah, no. Eternity is <laughs> a little bit of a big deal. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And so, you know, it's it's one of those things that being called is comes with a great amount of responsibility. However, um, there's a promise that is always attached to a calling, and that's God's never going to leave us. So his strength is always right there. But I don't want to give too much of the story away with Gideon. Thank you for that. So Gideon is basically, like, terrified. Um, he builds an altar. 
to the Lord to worship him. And God asked him to do something. And this is sort of a, a little bonus side here. And it's found in Judges 6, um, verses 25 <laughs> to 27. And so the, one of the problems that the Israelites were having at this time, shocker, was that they had idol worship going on. They were basically giving themselves over to the practices of the surrounding areas. And instead of just worshiping God, they were doing that whole Jesus plus thing. (laughs) And so it was like God plus they were worshiping God, but then they had all these idols around them that they were also um, worshiping and bowing down to and giving sacrifices to. And so, but there's all the sacrifices were all selfish. I mean, every single one of them. And we haven't really evolved because the same thing happens to us. It's Jesus plus our selfishness. So whatever our sin is, it could be a whatever, um, you know, this, in this instance, I believe it was Ashropole and they, um, you know, but, worship seduction and sexualization and all kinds of crazy yeah, things. Yeah, we have not moved past that very far, have we? No. And so verse 25, it says, that same night, the Lord said to him, talking to Gideon, take the second bull from your father's herd, the one seven years old, which means it was full grown. Tear down your father's altar to Baal and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. Then build a proper kind of altar to the Lord your God on the top of its height. Use the wood of the Asherah pole that you cut down. Offer the second bull as a burnt offering. So the funny thing is, okay, that was, you know, here's God's command. Here's what he's telling him to do. He was very black and white about here is the the blueprints for exactly what I want you to do. And it says in verse 27, So Gideon took 10 of his servants and did as the Lord told him. But because he was afraid of his family and the townspeople, he did it at night rather than in the daytime. He was was so afraid of the consequences of the crowd that he kind of sidestepped God's calling a little bit in that moment. And he's like, okay, God, I can do this for you, but I'm going to do it under cover of night. I don't want to actually have to be in front of everybody and and fulfill this calling in front of other people. And this just makes me wonder, like, how many times say I'm listening to Christian music? And this is like the the best example I can come up with on the spot here is listening to Christian music in my car with the windows down. And, you know, I'm, I, I like my music loud, so I listen to it pretty loud when I'm by myself. Um, Because there's nobody to talk to in the car. So I'm listening loudly to the music. And if I pull up next to somebody and their windows are down, what do I usually do? What do you think I do? I am not going to even guess on this one. I usually turn the music down. And it's funny because it's not like I'm embarrassed necessarily that I'm listening to Christian music really loud, but like there's that element of Gideon. Like, I don't want my witness and I don't want what it is that God, you know, is using me for. I don't really want to put it out there so much. I kind of want to hold back a little bit. Like, God, I want to do what you've called me to do, but I don't want it to be in a spotlight. And I think Gideon was afraid of that. Um, Now, I can tell you one thing that God called me to do and gave me the resources was to write a book. And that's a little bit of a public thing. 
because in the books that I wrote, it's pretty much my life. And it's a lot about what God called me into as far as ministry at a young age with my family. But it's a it's a public platform, in a sense, I think, because anybody can buy it. <laughs> well, I mean, it's an expose of you opening up about some of the more challenging moments of your life and our life. And it was uh, something that was transparent, but we always led from a transparent point of view. You We've know? tried to. Yeah, we're not, we're not, we're, we're not superhumans. We're not, everything is blissful and puppy dogs and butterflies. There's moments where we're stuck in the mud. There's moments where um, we are ashamed. There are moments where um, a lot of our <laughs> hangups are exposed and it's not fun. Right. You know? And I feel like Gideon was kind of like that. Like he was, he's going to do what God wants him to do, but he's going to do it at night when nobody can actually catch him in the act. It was self-perseverance. I mean, self-preservation. It, it was yeah. one of those, you know, I'm going to do what you're telling me to do, but I'm going to do it in a way where I'm not going to make waves. Right. Um, and I think the greater point here is that what did God ask of him to do was to destroy the old. And that has always been a hard concept for many people to wrap their brains around is that I have to destroy what I know. I have to destroy the old man. I have to take it all that away. And God's not trying to say you need to get rid of your identity other than the identity that's outside of him. Right. And And that was specifically something God told them not to do was idol worship. Do not engage in idol worship. Do not bring the customs of the outside in your home. And here they were. It says his own father had altars to Baal and he had the Asherah pole there. As a nation, they were like on round, like, what is this now? 74. <laughs> I mean, they, they just haven't learned their lesson. But if I could be 100% honest, how many rounds does it take for me to finally waken up to some of my issues? You know, it takes some time. It takes a process. Um, you know, I wish it could, you know, I wish the whole pray and it will be gone thing actually was a thing. Um, it doesn't work that way. There's a process. Sometimes God does immediate things, but oftentimes it is a process because God is about the journey, I think. He's about the process of learning because if it's kind of like the kid that's a brat and they throw a fit and every time you give in to them, they just take whatever it is they want, that candy that they want at the checkout, and then they gobble it up and it's gone. And then 10 minutes later, they're throwing a fit again. I feel like that's how we are sometimes with God. We're like, God, I don't want this hang up anymore. Please take it away. And, and, you know, maybe a few times he does. He just completely puts the situation in uh, perspective and takes care of it. And then sometimes he's like, no, you're going to have to learn through the pain. You're going to have to figure out what happens. Well, in Gideon's situation... It says that the town, pe- the townspeople in the morning got up and they wanted to know why Baal's altar was demolished. They're like, uh, what happened here? What? Who did this? And they go and they start, it says they start inquiring and they find out that it was Gideon. And they go to Gideon's father and they're not happy about it. And so they're really mad. And um, his father, thankfully, even though he was the one who built the altars, which is kind of weird, He stands up for his son, Gideon, and he says, "Um, you know, why don't you let Baal contend with Gideon? If Baal has a problem, let him take care of Gideon. And the people are like, oh, yeah, okay, fine. (laughs) 
so they kind of, it was sort of like this big thing, and then they sort of all just go away. Oh, it's calling them to the carpet. I mean, if this this God is worthy of worship, then why don't you, why who, why does he need you to do his handling, right. you know? And so it was kind of calling the whole systematic of worship that they were accustomed to, to question. Right. And they were stuck between a rock and a hard space. Do I act on behalf of a God that I'm supposed to be worshiping? Why does he need me? Or do I just let him handle his own business? Which is basically what they did. They were Mm -hmm. like, all right. And so then if you continue on in Judges almost to chapter 7. So um, Gideon says to God that, you know, okay, if you want me to do this, you're going to have to give me the men, of course. And so um, 32,000 men is what come together, this group of men. And join Gideon to defeat the outside enemies. And so 32,000, that's a pretty good number, you know, 32,000. It, it's not huge. It's twice the size but, of our small town, yeah. Okay. So it's a pretty good group of men. Well, then the Lord tells Gideon, uh, this is too many people. You have You have too big of an army. And basically, if you win, even though it's going to be by my power, if you win... And defeat your enemies, your Israelites, You got, we know you. <laughs> we know you guys, and you're going to try to take credit for this. And so he says, I need to whittle this number down. And what he tells Gideon to tell the men is, if you're afraid, go ahead and leave. Now, most men that I know are, you know, fairly macho. And, and most guys, you say, if you're scared, you know, you can get out now. You would think, you know, maybe if you would kind of like, oh, okay, kind of slink off and go away. No, 22,000 of this group of men take off. Yeah, two thirds. And and I love it because it's like, if you're afraid, we don't need you, right? If you're going to second doubt yourself, you're going to second doubt God, you're going to second doubt, it's okay. Just take a step back and and hold back. And that's exactly what they did. And so... Gideon's probably thinking, all right, okay, all right. Um, so how many does that leave? 10,000, right? Okay, yeah. so that leaves him with 10,000. He's like, oh, okay, this is <laughs> it's kind of crazy. We're going to go against these armies. These <sighs> these enemies, are they're large in number. And how are we going to do this? And God says, oh, but I'm not done. I'm really, really going to do something. That was first tryouts. Now we're on second tryouts (laughs) before we get to the final team. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, We're going to do a few more team cuts here. And so Gideon takes the men down to the water and the Lord says he wants you, he wants him to separate those who um, pick the water up in their hands, like scoop it up and drink it out of their hands versus the men who just get on their hands and knees and stick their faces into the water and drink. So, I mean, we can talk about that probably all the different things that it symbolizes, you know, being prepared for battle would be the ones who are keeping alert watch by scooping the water to their mouth as opposed to putting their face in the water. And so God's like, okay, now that we've separated that group of men, here's what you have left. 300 men. That's not a lot. You're going into battle, you start with 32,000, and now you have 300. Now, 
it has, <laughs> it's been pretty obvious here that Gideon is not some amazing general. Like he is not this guy that's going to go out and rally the troops and, you know, like he is not the guy that you're thinking is going to be leading you off into battle. He's been the guy who's been hidden all this time on purpose. He's yeah. hidden himself. Right. He's been in hiding, literally. <laughs> and now uh, the Lord says, with these 300 men that lapped, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hands. Let all the others go home. So Gideon's probably thinking, this is nuts. This is an impossible situation. It's impossible. There's exactly where God wants to have him. Right. Exactly. How many times have we been in that situation? More times than I like to count, to be honest with you. <laughs> For sure. We look out and we're like, we don't have enough time. We don't have enough resources. We don't have enough help. We don't have enough. And the list goes on and on and on. And then all of a sudden, in the last moment, God comes through. I think that, I think you said it right. There's times when we've gone through this together and we've looked at ourselves and looked at and said, I don't have the resources. We don't have this. We don't mm-hmm. have that. Well, our focus, it shows us where our focus is at. It's on us. Yeah. It's not on the Lord. It's not on the strength of the Lord. It's not on the, the protection, the provisions of the Lord. And again, I, you know, kind of, we led this podcast off by saying is when God calls us, he equips us, he protects us, he's there with us, he strengthens us. And the minute we take our eyes off of that, we we lose our strength. Right. You know, kind of going back, you know, to another story about Samson, where he took his eyes off the ball and he lost his strength. Right. Yeah. It, it's always really hard whenever impossible slaps you in the face. It's difficult because, like you said, we always look at our resources. What do I have on hand? How much money do I have in the bank? How many... People can I call on to join my army, my personal vendetta of whatever I've got going on? Well, there's a few different things that happen in chapter seven of Judges, which I totally think you should read this story if you're listening, because there's a lot of stuff that we did not talk about or cover. Um, But I'm going to give you the cliff note version here for the end of the story. And so... God says to take the 300 men, divide them into thirds, 100 around each side of the army encampment, and you're going to have torches in one hand and a trumpet in the other. That must have been like a thing. Like, where do you get 300 trumpets? They did not have Amazon. (laughs) It was next day aired. (laughs) Camel drop. Like, it was ridiculous. All of a sudden, they all had 300. I mean, the torches, I can totally believe that because that'd be like a flashlight, right? Like, if you were going into battle, you're going into the desert, you're going to have a flashlight. But the trumpets? Okay. So, anyway, side note. Um, So, they have their trumpets, and the Lord has them, you know, surround the camp. And when Gideon gives the high sign, they blow their trumpets and hold up their torches, and they shout uh, for the Lord and for Gideon. And... It says that the Lord caused confusion in the camp and the enemy turned on one another. That's pretty crazy. Like, impossible situation. Like, you would never think that your enemies were going to turn on themselves in this situation. No, but it did. And so they probably sat there in amazement at what God did once again. 
you know. Exactly. Because then they could not boast that it was in their own strength. They literally just followed directions, which goes back to my podcast two weeks ago when I talk about the first part of the story here. It's obedience. Mm -hmm. Being obedient to God brings about really awesome endings. Because when we're disobedient, I mean, we know that disobedience brings death in lots of ways. Spiritually, emotionally, physically, sometimes. Um, if I may, can I even go even a little deeper rooted than obedience? Sure. Trust. I think it starts and ends with trust. We have to trust God. And like we were talking about us losing focus and putting our putting all the emphasis on us and our lack of resources and our lack of ability, just like many people in the Bible, um, Moses had the same issue. Noah had the same issue. Abraham had the same issue, you know, where we start looking at our own resources, looking at our own stuff. But when we're able to trust God and we're able to start walking in that trust, then we get to celebrate mm-hmm. whenever these impossibilities situations become possible because of God's mm-hmm. strength. And that's the encouragement today is that, you know, we have to take our eyes off of us and look our and focus on Christ on God, on the Holy Spirit, and be empowered by that and move in that. And um, just like Gideon, you know, you you may have the biggest cheerleader squad, but that's not what you need. You may have the second biggest cheerleading squad. That's not what you need. What you need is a simple trust and obedience, and you can walk forward in the impossible. And the battles will be won. A lot of times we think that with... um, In our own strength, you know, we have lots of battles that we contend with, some on a daily basis. But in the strength of the Lord, we can know that as long as we're being obedient, as long as we're trusting, even in the face of impossibilities, God is going to bring us through on the other side of the battle as victors. Does that mean that we're always victors, though? Yes, in the ultimate scheme of things, Mm -hmm. yes. But do we have setbacks and do we have hurdles? Oh, absolutely. Because there's been too many times where I've I've interacted with people who felt like, well, I must not be following Christ right because I had a setback. No. No, that's not true. Setbacks happen as a character development and and as something that, you know, can even deepen our trust in God. And we have to remember that we have an enemy that's out there trying to steal, kill, and destroy everything that we hold dear. We are not in a bubble. No. I wish we were. I wish I was in a climate-controlled bubble. <laughs> Me too. But that's with no allergens. Life. With yeah. no allergens. And that no, would be my no favorite coronavirus thing. No coronavirus and no nope. nothing. Yeah. <laughs> but that's not the life we live. And so no. when we do have setbacks and, and we do, and that's what I love about your books is because it's real life encouragement. It's not everything's going to be great all the time. Everything is awesome. You know, the whole, <laughs> it's not that. It is sometimes it's hard. Sometimes Sometimes it is everything difficult. is not awesome. No. Sometimes you wake up with a cloud over your head and you go to bed with a cloud over your head. And yes, there's a process of trust and there's a process of obedience and there's a process of just giving it all to Christ. And we do that. But still, you're like, can I get out of the storm yet? Can I get out of the storm yet? Um, And I've never, I mean, people can pretend that they like being on the potter's wheel and that they're being chipped away, all the things that need to be chipped away, that God's doing that. And they're all happy about it. 
I don't know about that. I just say, man, it's uncomfortable. It hurts sometimes. Yeah. There's things that, that, that need to go, but we've held on to them for so long that it almost becomes our identity. And it's hard to... Well, and that was part of Gideon's problem. Yeah. Because he said in the very beginning, when the Lord called him, he was holding on to the identity of what was around him of who he really honestly felt he said i'm this we're the smallest i am the least in my clan he was holding on to all of the setbacks and i think we need to remember that when we're being used by god god's not looking at our limitations no. god's looking at it through what he can do in his power yeah. in his strength well, I hope that you were encouraged today and know that even the impossibilities can be handled by God, who is the ultimate leader, the ultimate love, the ultimate caregiver of our souls. And all we have to do is trust and be obedient. And um, just to plug there, if you would like to follow me on Instagram and get a little bit more encouragement, and you're definitely going to get a few dog pictures because oh my goodness, he's my baby. <laughs> Amy is codependent with Lincoln. That's all there is to that. No, I'm not. But he's so cute. And if you follow me on Instagram, it's at ChirpCastAmy. You will see that Lincoln is worthy of all the adoration that I can possibly give him. He is the cutest. Friends, do you see how sick she is? (laughs) Pray for her, please. Technically, he's Catherine's dog, but I'm his favorite. So. Uh, You can also check out my books that I've written on Amazon. You can get them. They are called Inconvenient Calling, Chased by Grace, and Embraced by Grace. Just go ahead and look those up and grab your copy today. I hope you have a fantastic day. And don't forget to listen to last week's podcast before you listen to this one. Otherwise, you might be a little bit lost. But I think they're pretty good. So you should listen anyways. All right, have a great day, and I'll catch you next time. Bye, everyone.